Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Good morning. Welcome. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking to Dr. TJ Sai. He is the medical director at Ageless MD. And according to Dr. Sai, if you don't have your health, you are limited in what you can accomplish. It is never too late to change your life to take you down a healthier path. So Dr. Sai is committed to living a healthy lifestyle. He was motivated to do so, to have more energy and to spend more time with his kids, which was his defining moment. When he was diagnosed with a sleep disorder, it motivated him further to lose weight, dropping 35 pounds. Some things that have helped him to live a health, healthier life over the years include testosterone replacement therapy, clean eating, limiting alcohol and sugar intake, and exercising five to six times per week. He also loads up on antioxidants daily, like vitamin C. He takes these orally, as well as a vitamin C serum, and wears an SPF of 50 or above and sunglasses outdoors so that squinting doesn't lead to wrinkles. So... Um, Today, we're going to talk about the five proof positive tips for healthy, for having a healthier lifestyle with Dr. Sai. So welcome to the show, Dr. Sai. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on here. You know, I'm really excited to have you on the show as well. When I, I, I think we talked uh, before the show, when I saw your information come through, I was really excited because I've been practicing most of what you already do. So it made me feel good. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm on a good track here. <laughs> I'm doing so something validated. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm really hoping that we can either help inspire some listeners or maybe help validate their, their wonderful lifestyles as well. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you got into medicine, how you, you know, what your lifestyle is like, things like that? So um, for most people, they just know me now. Now I, I specialize in aesthetics and anti-aging. So, um, but prior to doing this, I was actually a real doctor. Not that this is not a real <laughs> doctor. It's a different kind of doctor. But, um, but, I did, but I did practice emergency medicine for 20, 20 something years. So um, I worked as an ER doctor. That was my specialty. I went to medical school, residency, and at the time, you know, we specialize in emergency medicine. And then I worked as an ER doctor for 20 years. And um, so that gave me this huge background of knowledge. Uh, as you can imagine, if you go to the ER, we're tr- we can pretty much treat and diagnose most things that you come across, sprains and ankles, heart attack, strokes. We deliver babies. We sew people up. We do with corneal abrasions. We do with like foreign bodies in the nose. We deal with hemorrhoids. I mean, you name it, we've kind of touched upon most things a little bit more superficially. Now, if you need like your appendix removed or if you need to get uh, a transplant, that goes to like a specialist. But in terms of the superficial level, like most things we can kind of diagnose and treat minor things for the most part. So basically that gave me this this huge skill set where I was good with my hands. We did lots of procedures. Um, spinal taps, sewing. I mean, I, I used my hands a lot. And then, um, I, you know, it's very knowledgeable in terms of like most common medical conditions. So 
Um, and then after that, I, I really started to feel a little burnt out. Um, as you know, in the emergency department, you, you deal with constant human suffering. So right. every day you deal with death and suffering. And, and then over time, I did notice that my empathy level was starting to de- decline. And it was just from years and years of all the bearing all the burden of all my patients just right. over time just started to feel heavy. And so as I realized that my empathy was declining, I also realized, you know what, I don't think I'm able to be an effective doctor as I used to be. And so something had to change. And that change led me to looking to other things that I could do that didn't require night shifts. Like even as a senior level partner, we would do, you know, eight to 10 night shifts a month. And you know, this is working 7 p.m. to 7 in the morning. And so when right. you do a night shift, if you've ever done a night shift, um, it takes like another week to recover from that one night shift that you did. And so your body just gets thrown off. And it's like going from nights to days to nights to days, your circadian rhythm is twisted. Uh, not only that, every other weekend you're, you're, you're working. So your social life gets a little, you know, is not normal when your friends are inviting you out on the weekends and half the time you're turning them down. Um, and of course, time with your family is, is taken away because you're, you're on on the weekend where they're off on the weekends, your kids are off on the weekends and you're right. working. So all that combined, I, I felt like I needed to get out. I felt like if I continued down the path, it was not healthy for me. I felt like something was going to um, affect my health. I was going to have a heart attack or stroke myself. So I, I started looking into other things that I could do. And I've always been really interested in like, skincare and I've always been interested in having nice skin. So then I took some classes on how to, to do Botox and fillers, which technically is actually very easy considering I was an emergency room surgeon. Um, and then after a month of taking classes, I had this big epiphany and I was like, wow, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and I, I, within a month, I gave my resignation letter at the medical practice that I was at which I was a senior level partner, stable salary, very nice salary, uh, vested pension plan. I mean, I was set. I could have just stayed down this path and just worked another 15 years. And I would have been like super set, retired, the American dream, right? But Absolutely. what did I do? I walked away. I said, goodbye. I'm resigning from my partnership. I'm relinquishing all my benefits. I understand I'm going to lose part of my pension, but... I found my new passion and my new passion was to help people look and feel their best. Um, and so I opened Aegis MD. It was kind of a crazy move because I was brand new. I didn't know anything about the business. And as you know, it's super competitive in Southern California. I mean, there's a lot of practices oh, yeah. <laughs> Just within a bicycle ride of my office. There's like 10 or 12 practices within a bicycle ride of here. So right. I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to survive? How am I going to stand out? How am I going to compete? And so, you know, I basically, I quit the ER. I put all my eggs in one basket. I worked seven days a week. I hustled. I mean, I worked every single day and basically there was no, there was no option to fail for me. I had to work. I had a family to feed (laughs) and, and this was my only chance to do it. And so Seven years later, we just celebrated our seventh year anniversary. We're doing well. The business is stable. I'm thriving. 
Um, I train other doctors. I speak on stage. In fact, I'm going to Thailand to speak um, later this month. And so, you know, this has been my path and, and definitely, you know, doing something that I totally love and enjoy, which, um, and you've heard this cliche before, when you do something you love and enjoy, it's not work. It's just, you're, you're enjoying it. This is something that you want to do every day. So it doesn't Absolutely. feel like And that's right? how you can make that full change with confidence is you just know it's going to work because you're committed to it. Yeah. I remember yeah. Being ER, they used to, they used to like uh, force us to take uh, continuing medical education classes. And, and it was like, they, they had a, you know, it was dragging my feet. It was like, Oh no, I got to take another class. <laughs> That's because I wasn't really into it that back then. And now, uh, because I love what I do and this is my field and I'm passionate about it, I spend like tens of thousands to go and learn, to go right. and learn from the best in the world so I can stay on the top of my field. And it's a different mindset. You are correct. You are, I mean, that's exactly it. You have to do things that you love because it's a different mindset. When you do something you love, you're going to succeed. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the five tips to leading a healthier lifestyle. Uh, what, what are the five steps? Um, could you read that questionnaire again? Like, I know there's like a certain. What are the five tips to leading a healthier lifestyle? Um, so what I have from my notes is that you had talked a little bit about the epiphany, control the mind, set small goals, and then time and get support. Okay. So let's start with epiphany. What does that mean? So I really think to, to really have a major shift and focus and redirection of your mind, body, and soul, there, there has to be like with the ER, there, there was this epiphany like, oh, if I continue down this path, something bad's going to happen with me. Um, if I continue down this path, uh, my health is going to deteriorate. I'm going to be a bad doctor. So there was that epiphany, right? Um, the other epiphany for me going on a really healthy lifestyle and changing, uh, losing weight and all that was, was something a little different. So um, here's my, I'll show you my personal story is that I, I was, you know, gaining about a pound or two a year from 20s to 40s. You kind of put on another pound or two every year. And for those of you in your 40s, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it adds up. <laughs> you don't feel like you can eat the same. And you just kind of accept it, right? Like, okay, I'm 20 pounds heavier than when I was when I was 21. But that's normal, right? It's Everybody does that, right? I mean, okay, yeah, that's true. That's normal. But it doesn't have to be normal. And right. for me, um, it was the moment when I, got, when, when I got diagnosed with sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is a condition where you stop breathing. Uh, you hold your breath for more than 20 seconds uh, and while you're sleeping. And they do that for 20 to sometimes a hundred times a night. So imagine That's you stop like holding your breath for 20 seconds sustained. And this goes on 30 times every night. So I would sleep 12 hours a day. I would take two to three hour naps and still feel tired. Why? Because I wasn't sleeping all night. I was basically suffocating the whole night. So you're busy holding your breath. Yeah, I was holding my breath. I wasn't getting oxygen. And uh, so that was that that came and part of it was my weight. I had gained some weight. And and then also my children, you know, they were little at the time, but then they would 
uh, and I had them every other weekend. So my time with my children were very limited to like every other weekend. So it was only like two days I had them every week, every other weekend. And for, for me, they, they would come over and say, daddy, daddy, why are you, whenever we come over, all you do is sleep. And I was like, well, cause I'm tired. Of course I'm sleeping, you know, on top of working the ER shifts and all that. But yes, I was tired, but also was suffering from sleep apnea. And so that was my epiphany where uh, I can't continue down this road anymore. I need to do something drastic with my life. It has to be a major shift, mind focus change. And I need to, I need to change something about myself and go on a healthier life. And so what I did was I, you know, I lost, I, I went on a, a diet and I lost 35 pounds right away. I went from like 200 pounds to like the weight that I was as a sophomore in college, which wow. was unheard of, you know, I mean, no one ever, I never expected that to even be possible. And I did. And it, it was quite, um, and I did it in a, in a pretty, you know, short period of time. And then I started working out and uh, I was in my early to mid forties. And so I got my testosterone level checked and it was low. Um, for those of you that are in your forties, um, look out for that. That's a major physiological change that happens to a lot of men and women. This actually is very, very common. It's called andropause for men. Um, andropause is similar to menopause where your body stops making testosterone. So for those men that are in your forties, you'll notice a little bit of lower energy level, decreased motivation, a little bit more belly fat, um, and decrease energy, uh, trouble sleeping. Um, so all those symptoms are symptoms of low testosterone. I got on testosterone replacement. So basically I was after testosterone, I'm functioning internally like a 21 year old, but with a mind of a 45 year old, which is very powerful actually, because your wife is now at 45, but then you're running physiologically like a 21 year old, which is very powerful. If you remember what that felt like, that's every man's dream. (laughs) At 19, you don't feel like there's anything that could happen you. And then later you get wise after a couple of injuries, you know, <laughs> but, um, so I went on hormone replacement and I started working out and then that just became like a normal part of my life. And, um, you know, I lost the weight, the sleep apnea went away by the way. So after I lost the weight working out, it was gone. I, I slept normal. I wasn't tired anymore. I didn't take naps anymore. I had the time, the energy to play with my kids. So yeah, that was a, that was a huge, uh, shift for me. That's amazing. That's, that's quite the story. I really appreciate you sharing that. I, I, I think that that's going to be very inspiring to a lot of men out there. Uh, you know, what you did is, is like every man's dream. It's like, okay, I can actually get back to where I want to be, you know, and that's, that's, that's very powerful. Uh, let's talk about control the mind. What does that mean to you? I think having um, a, a clear, uh, level-headed mind, keeping it, keeping your focus there. But uh, in terms of our day-to-day, you know, we get distracted. We get distracted, whether it be from work or a colleague saying rumors about you or um, having an argument with your best friend or having an argument with your spouse. That can kind of set the tone and really like throw your energy and mindset off uh, maybe temporary, maybe a day or two, but that, that can be a major distraction. I see this in so many people and I see it sometimes even within my employees in the organization, they have like a personal event 
and it just throws their productivity off and um, it can affect their performance. And in effect, if you're having goals that you're setting, you're trying to achieve your goals, it can definitely affect your, your mind in those goals. So my point in saying that is just that keep that mind clear, keep it focused. Um, and then the way I, I try to, to do that is, for example, um, you know, if you're having an argument with your spouse, for example, backtrack, pause a little bit. You may be distracted with it temporarily, but then ask yourself this and really, really think about this. Is this going to affect me? Whatever is going on right now, how much of an effect will this have on me five years from now? Uh, and, I, and I do this even with if I get a bad Yelp review or, or something like that. There's something that's going to shift and ruin my day. And I'm really trying to not let it ruin my day. And I sit there and really focus that if if this is not going to affect me five years from now, this is an irrelevant issue. And I shouldn't right. be focused on my attention on this for more than like maybe a couple of minutes or maybe 10 minutes or so. But yeah, I mean, this this should not consume my entire day and take my focus off where I'm going to have to like go to work or leave from work, go grab a drink or several drinks to like relax me or calm me down. Cause then again, that's going to distract you from whatever goals you're having. But anyway, that's just an example of how to set a clear mindset and not, not have little distractions, like throw you way off. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's a, that's a very important way to, to look at it. Um, Having that control of your mind is probably one of the most important things you can have. You know, it keeps you from having a temper tantrum or saying things you don't mean. Things things can get out of control. So I agree with you. That's wonderful. Uh, what about the next one, setting small goals? What what does that mean? So I do set goals. I do set short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. I do a one-year goal, two-year goal, and five-year goals. Uh, but my point of setting the small goals is, um, and I'll give you an example, I, I do train other doctors. I train other providers in uh, one of the specialties that I do. It's called a PDO thread lift. So I take threads and I do a non-surgical facelift with it uh, without surgery. But in teaching that technique, which is, it's not an easy uh, skill to learn. I tell the students to start with small goals that are more realistic and meaning don't start with the hardest area to perform. Like, for example, the neck. The neck is the, the hardest area to master. And so if you're just learning, start with an easier area that you can easily accomplish, uh, that you can grasp and get successful at right away. And that builds your self-confidence. Because if you start with something hard and you fail right from the get-go, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be like, oh, I screwed that one up. I'm you know, all the things that you normally would say, right. terrible at this, I'm no good at this, I'll never get good at, you know, so you you just avoid that whole disappointment and disaster. And by setting it, you know, just starting off with like a really easy goal, accomplish it, and then celebrate that victory. Oh, absolutely. So number four, you have time. What does that mean? I think the it's like cooking or anything like with time, like it just gets, um, like these habits become more ingrained and more part of you. Um, so for example, like the longer I continued my dieting, the longer I continued to work out, it became part of me and, it, and, and I exuded that across like my family, my coworkers. I mean, I let everybody know, Hey, look, my priority after I get off work is I go to the gym. I'm exhausted. I'm tired, but I still make an effort to still go to the gym 
because I've committed to it. And so they know like um, when I'm leaving work or I'm getting ready and wrapping things up, like that's a priority for me. And mm-hmm. so, um, and sometimes, you know, if I don't get to work out, I'll try to do a little bit at, at home, but I still like commit to that. And so over time, that's become my identity. Everybody kind of knows like, I, I'm going to go to the workout. It's, it's on the weekend where we're staying at a conference, but we're staying at a hotel that has a nice gym. So I'm going to go still work out at the nice gym. So, right. um, yeah, it's just, uh, building those habits that set in and over long term, it becomes, uh, just ingrained in your, in your system. Well, you can invest in your health or you can invest in your sickness. And I, I think yes. it's really that simple. That's a good saying. That's you're going to spend the time regardless. You're, you're, you're going to focus on your, your health one way or the other. You might as well do it to prevent the illness. Right. So I, yeah, I think that's a wonderful, um, and it's very inspiring because I think a lot of people, they just think, okay, I'm tired. I deserve to go home and <laughs> relax. Right. You know, I'm tired. I'm just going to have a nice meal. I'm going to meet a friend for dinner. I'm going to have, you know, this, whatever it is, I'm going to go see a movie, but the, they, they avoid the one thing that's going to make them feel better, which is maybe doing yoga or uh, maybe going for a walk, just something simple. Yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't have to be going to the gym. I mean, it's whatever you enjoy. I actually enjoy going to the gym. I know some people yeah. don't like it, don't like lifting weights, but whatever it is that you enjoy, that's an activity that you like to do, whether you mention yoga, that's great. If you can sign up for a yoga membership and have that commitment there or have, um, or walk your dog. I mean, some, something yeah. that's, you know, that's keeping you active. Or just you- doing it at home. You don't always have to go join a class. You that's can just right. do it at your home. I mean, if you don't have the finances to have a membership, yoga doesn't take much. You don't even need a mat. A mat. You can just literally do it on your floor. Right. It, it is truly one of the easiest things you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and I only say this because I, I practiced yoga for many, many years and I loved it. It was one of the best things I, I think I could have done for myself because it really helped clear my mind. It helped perseverance and it's just in balance and flexibility are the first things to go. So it really helps with those yeah. two things as well. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be one thing or the other. I think it's important that people find what works best for them. And they enjoy it. And they enjoy it. Like you enjoy the gym. I enjoy yeah. yoga. It's like, you got to find what works for you. And I love that. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about getting support. Um, what does that mean for you? Um, I think for, for many people, like, if, if they feel isolated, like, for example, I'll just relate to me, like in, in the workout community, um, I think it's good to have like maybe a gym buddy or somebody that can keep you accountable. Or, um, or for me, it's just my family. Like my daughter likes to work. She's a teenager now. And so she, she enjoys going to the gym. So I, I bring it, you know, we go to the gym together and she's enjoying it just as much as I am. We like hit that weights hard. And um, so having like a support system there or like a group that, uh, you know, joining a class or having and a buddy, a support group that, that has the same interest. I think that's really mm-hmm. important. That way you're, you don't feel isolated and alone and just what you're doing, but there's other people that are doing the same thing as you are. Um, yeah. I love that. You know, having a buddy that you can always meet at the gym or if you're riding bikes, it's like, Hey, make sure you show up at this time. We're riding 10 miles or whatever. Yep. I, I love that. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things is having a support group for that particular activity. Do you, do you, do you recommend having, um, 
a specific person that you meet every time or does it matter? Can you meet somebody different every time? I think it doesn't matter. I think it's just as long as it's in, in the, within your interest group and it's it's in that community. Um, it could be different people. It could be a mentor even. I think having mentorship is really important too, um, both per- personally and professionally too. Like professionally, um, you know, whatever job or career you're having someone that you're looking up to, to further your job, further your career, someone to aspire to mm-hmm. uh, is really important because you never want to... Um, you know, you always want to improve upon yourself. And mm-hmm. there's always people that are better at what you do. I mean, you look sure. all over, you'll find someone that's better um, at, at what you do. So, um, and then also, you know, we wanted to go back and talk a little bit about um, just my practice in general. Um, so I know people think uh, I do like Botox and fillers and I just make people look pretty, but, you know, it's it's really not that simple. Um I, I look at the whole, like a holistic approach to, to their healing. And um, one of the first things that I do when they come in for a consultation, for example, if someone's coming to see me for say, they want to look younger, they want to look refreshed. And mm-hmm. so I acknowledge that, okay, you're here for this and that and you want to look 15 years younger. And then I, and then I stop for a moment. And then I, and I, and then I do want to ask them, um, why is it that you're doing this? Not because I'm trying to get into their business, but I, w- I just want to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to understand them as a whole. What is the motivation? So whether it's, um, you know, you are, are on Zoom meetings all the time. I got this a lot during COVID. Like, oh, I'm on Zoom meetings all the time and I'm in the camera. And now that I'm looking at the screen, I, I'm seeing this spot here and the spot here or the acne's bothering me or some shadow. And so you know, that could be a reason. Another reason could be, hey, someone just got a divorce. Um, they're back in the dating scene. They want to kind of look refreshed again, man or woman either. Um, right. and they want to be back in the scene and look their best. Um, yeah. Or I may have someone that comes in and, and is like, um, um, is, is here to get their acne scars treated. And that's, boy, yeah. that, that's a tough one because for the acne scar patients, they have a personal story. Many of them have grown up with the acne and it really affected their self-esteem. And a lot of times, even in the chair when they're sitting and I'm just talking with them about their journey, what led them to to even come to see me, uh, probably more than 50% of the time, there's 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 some tears. There's some oh, tears. yeah, I bet. There's you know, I, I want to talk more about your, your business when we come back from the break. Before we go to break, though, I'd like to have you give your information out so that people, if they are interested in contacting you, how can they get a hold of you? Sure, sure. So probably the phone number is 714-760-9918. And our um, website is www.ageless-md.com. Thank you so much. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Uh, we are taking, um, so we are taking, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me, go subscribe uh, to our magazine at the um, on the website. You can also uh, look at our um, uh, new mind print assessment. And if you're interested in getting in touch with me, just go down to the very bottom of the website and send me an email. If you'd like to call me, my number is 480-707-3356 or 480-648-1122. Um, we are taking um, submissions for our magazine. So if you're interested in writing an article for the magazine, you can um, 
shoot me an email and that's Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And if you'd like to be on the radio show, you can also send me an email um, with that information as well. So we'll be back after these messages. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fazia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fozzie works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fozzie, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. Today we are talking to Dr. TJ Tsai, and we are discussing the five proof positive tips for having a healthy lifestyle. So welcome back, Dr. Tsai. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. I'm sorry, go ahead. That was a good part one. Yeah, uh, I, I'm really glad that you've come on the show to talk about um, so many wonderful things. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your business, though. Uh, what is Ageless MD all about? I mean, we talked a little bit about how it got started at the beginning of the show, but what are, what are the services that you offer? And and I'll let you take it from there. Sure. So we're we're for full service. Um, we offer all the latest non-invasive procedures for anti-aging, um, for skin care, uh, and to look, um, to look more youthful and refreshed. And so basically I'm, I'm, I don't do surgery, so I don't do anything that involves like a facelift or tummy tuck or breast augmentation, but I do Botox and fillers and thread lifts. And we have all sorts of lasers from whatever skin condition, from a sunspot to acne scars, to rosacea, to acne itself. And so um, basically, yeah, I, I train now, I, I, I uh, teach other providers how to, how to perform procedures as well. And, um, and you know, people, people think like, it's just all vanity. And we we're talking about stigmas and things like that. And there's a lot of shaming even in this industry. But uh, my point in saying that is, 
it's not vanity. It's not all vanity. I mean, there's a little bit sometimes here and there, but um, sometimes it's just a little small insecurity. I'll give you an example. Someone that had a little hump on their nose or a little divot in their nose and that small divot in their nose created like so much insecurity for their whole lives. It could have been starting when they were in high school and some kid made fun of them for like, oh, you got a little funny nose or whatever. But that comment stayed with them for the rest of their lives mm -hmm. and really insecure. And that one small thing could be remedied with simple filler. I could just put a filler in there and just make that nose completely straight, no more visible hump. And the nose is perfect. And that's not necessarily vanity. That was just a small insecurity. And then once that insecurity is gone, they feel good looking in the camera. They feel good out with their friends. They don't no longer. And that's cured that, you know, that insecurity and that's going deep that, you know, way back to childhood. And so um, that's just one example. I mean, there's many, many, many more. We talked about maybe like the acne scar patient and they've had trauma, teenage, anybody's had acne as a teenager, you know, I mean, yeah. just the shame and you, sometimes you're embarrassed to just show your face because of all the acne. And then not, not just that, when the acne's over, then it left you with all the scars and that scar stays with you for the rest mm -hmm. of your life. And so, like um, I was saying earlier, sometimes when I have consultations with patients there, um, there are many times when there's, there's tears and I'm, I'm handing out tissue because we have to go through that process during my consultations. It's not just, oh, let me help you with acne scar. Let me, let me hear about your journey. Let me hear about what you went through so that I can make sure we address all those concerns. I can help you with that. Now that your acne is gone, let's, let's smooth out your acne scars so they can move on with your life and feel better about yourself. And so sometimes that those are the most gratifying cases, not just, oh, I'm going to give someone new lips, which I do many of that, but there's so much more that I do besides just making people look pretty. Yeah. So what are some of the most common procedures that you do that really help build confidence and self-esteem? Well, the most basic is just uh, Botox and fillers. And so with Botox, just smoothing out wrinkles and, you know, um, smoothing out fine lines and wrinkles. But there's a lot of actually medical uses of Botox too that I do that uh, people are not aware of that exist. For example, um, raise your hand. We're, we're not in a classroom, but um, <laughs> for those people, th this is very common. How many people out there grind your teeth? Have you heard of this? Yeah. Awesome. So teeth grinding is called bruxism. Bruxism is very, um, sometimes it's very annoying because you grind your teeth all night long. Your bed partner is like, they feel like they're living with the exorcist because all these <laughs> sounds are forming. And then your dentist, your dentist, when they do your checkups, they're seeing the wear down in your enamel. And then the patient themselves wake up with headaches and soreness and pain and their jaws click and lock and pop and they have pain. So Botox will relax that jaw muscle, completely makes that gone, alleviates all their symptoms, alleviates headaches and migraines. And so that's just one example of the many cases where I use Botox, not just for vanity, but then also some medical reasons. Um, Fillers are just, has a stigma. Fillers just means we use it to fill something. And many times I explain to people that, um, you know, fillers doesn't necessarily mean augmentation. Augmentation, for example, like a breast augmentation, that's giving you something that you weren't born with, right? You're getting an implant. You didn't have, uh, you had small breasts. You're getting an implant. That's just an example, right? But sometimes fillers can be used to just replace 
And I'll give you an example. As we get older, our under eyes get hollow. And so people start seeing bangs, it's hollow under the eyes. And that's just a normal part of aging. Uh, I just turned 50 this uh, last year. And so my under eyes, for example, um, should not be this smooth. But because I've got fillers there, I was using the fillers to replace something that I lost, right? So it's a different concept. Uh, and it's not so stigmatizing, like, oh, you're getting fillers because you're vain. No, I'm getting fillers because I lost a fat pad here. And now I'm just replacing that fat pad. And now my under right. eyes look smoother. I look less tired. I look like I got sleep. Right. Um, so and for our is- listeners who, who are not seeing this, you can go on to our YouTube channel probably sometime later this week and you can watch the video and you can see Dr. Sai's uh, eyes and, and you can see what he's talking about. Oh, thank you. Maybe you can't see it that close, but yeah, um, that's just an example um, of the things we do. And then one of my specialties that I do at Ageless MD, that's kind of what I'm known for is doing a non-surgical facelift. So I can use threads, basically they're strings, they're absorbable sutures. They're the same sutures that you get when you get uh, a laceration and they have to sew you up or you get a cesarean section and they have to use sutures. Did you say ab- they, they are absorbable? Yeah, they're absorbable. So, so your body absorbs them? Your body breaks it down and absorbs it, and it becomes CO2 and water, metabolizes the CO2 and water. Okay, I'm just curious. So if you're putting that in somebody's body and it disintegrates, how does the facelift stay in place? So the threads actually stay for about six to eight months. Okay, so okay, that makes more sense. It takes eight months to absorb the sutures, but in replacement of the sutures, there's collagen stimulation. So as the suture is getting okay. absorbed, your body is then coming and replacing with collagen. Okay. And, and there's a little bit of skin tightening effect of the threads. And so um, basically it gives like a, like a pseudo facelift result for someone that's like not ready to have that major facelift surgery. So someone who's huh. in the thirties to fifties range, they're seeing changes of aging. They're seeing some sagging, but they're not ready uh, or they're a little bit young to get undergo a major facelift, but they can get that similar type of result using wow. a physical method. That's fascinating. I'm like, there's hope for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about you. <laughs> You're an anomaly. You're definitely, uh, yeah, that's an anomaly for sure. Um, that you look like mid thirties, but you're 54. Well, That's- I tried to convince my daughter to be a dermatologist. I said, I said, by the time you finish school, I'm going to need some work. Wow. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's fascinating. I, I mean, I did not know that that was the process. So, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners didn't know that either. So that that's truly fascinating. Um, wow. Okay. And what, uh, what other procedures do you do? I mean, these are just fascinating to me. So, so um, I do some of uh, these, these are like boring ones. Let me tell you a little bit more of like the, the more um, funky, um, like a little bit different type of procedures. Um, so I do a few body procedures. I do a non-surgical butt augmentation for the people that want to augment their butts or even just smooth out cellulite and wrinkles. Is that the um, same process with the Sutures? No, that's using a, a, a bio, uh, biostimulatory filler called Sculptra. We inject it and it makes your body grow its own collagen. And so, Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a hack. It's a body hack. Uh, if you've heard of hacks, but yeah. it, it hacks your body to make its own collagen and it, and it grows your own collagen and wherever you want it to grow, your face or your buttocks or anywhere else. So that's uh, one of the body procedures that I do. Um, one of the other procedures that I do that's 
fairly interesting that I actually do male enhancement. Um, so the women get breast augmentation, women get their butts augmented. What do men have? Well, with now the technology, I can actually give men a bigger girth. Um, and they don't even know it exists. You know, a lot of men, they have no clue, mm-hmm. but they, they secretly desire, but then they, you know, they don't know that it's there. So I educate and I, and I, you know, tell people that it's possible and it is possible to increase the girth size for men. Or maybe they're too embarrassed to ask. They are too embarrassed. It's, it's, a, it's a really touchy subject. It's mm-hmm. not something that they really, you don't go to your buddies and go, Hey, Hey buddy, um, you know, I'm interested in getting this done. There's nowhere really to talk about it. There's now some underground forums that are yeah. uh, uh, anonymous that people can go and share information nowadays right. with the internet. But yeah, it's yeah, where that. women talk about everything, so it's a whole different yeah. ball game. <laughs> you can't go uh, to a, a Yelp and you hear people leave Yelp reviews about their male augmentation procedures. No. It's not there, so it's a really tricky uh, topic, and and women aren't going to tell the guys, "Hey, look, there's a procedure out there right. that's kind of insulting as well." So it's it's a really delicate area, but I I do that um, quite regularly, and it's something that I actually enjoy doing because it gives men a lot of self confidence. Wow. There's something probably nobody else is talking about today. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's fascinating. No, truly fascinating. Um, I, I find what you do absolutely fascinating um, because it's not what we talk about on an everyday conversation. <laughs> right, right? right. It's definitely off. Yeah, not on the mainstream for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of times women will talk about, you know, hey, uh, I noticed your wrinkles are you know, less defined, you know, what, what, what did you do in women are more open and more willing to talk about things like that. But I think you're right. Men are a little shyer about, you know, speaking up about what they've had done. So that's fascinating. Um, Do you have any stories that you'd like to share with us about some success stories that maybe started off a little bit um, more, you know, challenging for you and and then they became a very successful story do you mean uh, in terms of like a business aspect or like a patient success story patient success story patient success story um yeah i I have i mean i have tons of stories um just trying to think of a, a really interesting one but something that comes to mind i had a lady she's a she's a level two sommelier you know what that is yeah yeah, so <laughs> she's like a high-level, really skilled sommelier, and she works at a really nice restaurant, fine dining, and but she's she's in her fifties now, right? And so all her coworkers mm. are in their mid to late twenties. All the servers at the restaurant, they're all very young, you know, they're all starting out their career. So they are they're very very young, and she's in her fifties, and just you could tell she's very lighthearted. She's young spirit. I mean, she just like you and I. I mean, she talks. You wouldn't think that she's barely mid thirties, but she age wise, she's 50. And she's like, well, I want to be able to relate to these kids. So they they don't think like I'm so old. And so, you know, we did some work on her to just, um, improve her look, make her look refreshed. And, um, and it was just a really interesting story because again, it's about the motivation. Like, why is it that you came to see me? Um, and there's all sorts of stories, but that one came to my mind because, you know, that just, that just, um, you know, it was really interesting how she felt insecure because of her age and her coworkers. And I was able to give her that confidence 
that um, when she stood next to her coworkers in her late twenties or early thirties, she felt like she was on par in youth and energy and vitality and just as relevant as they were, even though she's like two decades older, <laughs> but it's okay. What, what did you do for her? So we did like, um, you know, without going into details and revealing identity or anything like oh, that. Oh yeah. We don't want to talk about people's names. Just, just yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, yeah. we just did some um, fillers to um, refresh them under eyes. It's called a liquid facelift. So sometimes I use fillers to lift people's faces. Um, and the reason pe- people don't understand that sometimes is that we lose fat in our faces as we age and fat is youth. And so when you're missing the fat pads, just replacing a little bit of the fat pads here and there can really make a difference and lift one's face. Because sometimes people, they may look in the face and they go, oh, I see the wrinkles and I see the folds, but right. what's the underlying cause of the wrinkles and folds? It's because you lost the fat up here. You've deflated here in the last 20 years. This gone down, and that's why you're seeing the folds and the and the and the shadowing. But if we replace what you lost, then everything goes back to a previous state in your life, and the wrinkles and folds then disappear. So, if that makes sense, absolutely. How long do those fillers and Botox and all of these different procedures? How long do they last? Do, do they require constant, you know, upkeep or? Are they good yeah, for a few years? Great question. Botox is usually about three to four months. And then the okay. fillers can last uh, usually up to a year or so. So fillers are not something that you come in all the time, but um, you do maybe like once or twice a year to upkeep. Okay. And again, we're just talking replacement, replenishing, not augmentation. There's people that do want to augment, for example, but there's most of the time what we're doing is replacing something that you lost. And and this again, we're talking. We spoke earlier offline about the shaming and the yeah. things like that. And th- there really shouldn't be a lot of shaming in this. I mean, um, just like I'll give an example. Um, like a diabetic has to inject insulin because their body doesn't make insulin, right? How is that any different? Somebody's replenishing a fat pad that their body lost, that their body's right. not producing anymore. We're just replacing that fat pad. How is that any different than a diabetic that has to inject with needles? I mean, it's. I know it's not a direct apples to apples, but it's the same idea. Correct. And similarly, someone that has low testosterone that has to get testosterone replacement because their body's not ever going to make that much testosterone as when mm-hmm. they were younger. There's no different than a diabetic that doesn't make their insulin that has to get insulin injections. So just, you know, just be um, understanding of people and people do what makes them happy. And if these little things, these small things uh, lifts their spirit and gives them self-confidence and makes them a happier person. I Why think not? It's okay. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think if, if it makes you happy, why not, you know, do what makes you happy. You know, it's your life. And if you think, you know, you want to replenish the little fat, little bits of fat on your face, why not? It makes you look better it makes you feel better and it's all about feeling confident and having that self-esteem to to do whatever else you want to do in your life i mean it's probably the same reason people work out you want to feel good but you also want to look good yep yeah so yeah no i i love the stories um have you ever had a procedure that somebody's come to you and asked for where you refuse to do the procedure oh yeah oh yeah can we ask what, yeah. what they've asked for? Well, yeah, there's, there's several different scenarios how that would happen. 
One is that, and I do this regularly, by the way, someone that's, you know, getting too carried away with their lips, for example, and you've seen these people with, oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I've got to put them in check. And sometimes, and sometimes they look at themselves and they're not really sure. They're like, I, I think it's gone down, but I'm not sure. And they come in for their, another lip injection. I said, no, dear, no, they're still good. They go, really? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they're still really good. They go, I wasn't sure. I, that's why I wanted you to look at them and tell me what you think. Um, or it may be someone that is, um, may have unrealistic expectations. So someone, I'll give an example. Someone comes in, um, they've been to four other doctors. The last four doctors botched my face, ruined my face. The outcome wasn't good. And then the last doctor had to go back and dissolve and put in more fillers. And they did a terrible job. So right away, that's, that's, that's a red flag for me that you've had mm-hmm. four doctors, quote unquote, did a terrible job on you. So I'm going to be the hero. And now all of a sudden, yeah. like, that's a red flag. I will turn them down and basically just say, hey, look, I've already seen your track record and your level of uh, expectation may not be, I may not be able to, to satisfy your level of expectation and I'm just being honest and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I, I think part of my realizing that I'm uh, actually successful was when I, I realized that I actually can turn away patients and be okay with it because yes. when you're starting out in business, you do want to get all the business you can, right? You're hungry. You want to get this client and get this client and get this client. But after you've done it enough and you've matured and you know that some people are just not good candidates or it's not I a agree. good business. It's okay to say no, and you go find another provider, or you figure out what's you know what's uh, what's wrong with your life that's causing you this much disappointment in your life that you're this. Right. Yeah. Well, I always tell my clients, my my success is your success. So if I can't help you become successful, we're probably not a good fit. Yeah. And that, that's a very every, important maybe, thing. Every financial planner should have that model. <laughs> You know, uh, oh, that's funny. Because it seems like if, with a financial planner, if you lose money, they don't, they still make money. So, anyway. yeah, I yeah. haven't quite figured that one out yet. <laughs> yeah. so, but um, uh, we have about four minutes before we close. And I, I want to ask, what advice would you give somebody who's looking for a good doctor to help them with some of these challenges? What, oh, what are yeah. the things they should look for for a good doctor? Um, for that specific procedure that you're looking for, make sure they post a lot of a lot of their personal before and afters. Some practice practices will post photos from the vendor or photos from the companies that they work for, but not their own work. So make sure they okay. post their work. Make sure you maybe get a consultation or you watch some videos and and get a feel for that person and that you feel comfortable because they can be a great doctor, but if you feel creepy or creeped out by them, yeah. Maybe not a good fit. I mean, it's got to be someone that you really feel comfortable and you trust. Okay. So someone that you trust is going to tell, you no. like I said, like I turn people down all Mm -hmm. the time because, uh, you know, I'm already doing my business is successful, but I don't need the extra headaches. So if I know someone's not going to be a good candidate or the expectations are way off, I can say no. So just make sure, you know, they, they, they're going to sometimes tell, you no, and that's okay. And be, be okay with it. Um, so, and then, um, yeah, being comfortable and the trust factors is really, really important. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I, I think a lot of people are wondering, well, where, where can I, you know, find a doctor that's going to be a good fit for me? And this is good advice. So thank you. Um, so my very last question to you is what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Sure. Yeah. I, I, this is a great question. 
I've actually thought about this before. And, um, you know, like we get, we get into our comfort zones, I think. And that's great. You feel comfortable. Um, I know I always wanted to get into this field, but I really didn't know how. Um, and now that I did, it's like, a, this is my second career. And it's 20 years later, I got into my second career, but to tell my 20 year old self is to don't always stay in your comfort zone. So yes, you can be comfortable for a little bit, but um, sometimes being uncomfortable or opening your mind and just being uncomfortable is okay because it can lead to other opportunities that you may not even have known existed. So um, yeah, always uh, continue to, to seek improvement, even regardless of un- how uncomfortable it is for you. Yeah, no, I like that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, learning a lot. Actually, I learned a lot today. I, I don't always learn things on my interviews, but today I did. Um, but thank you for that. Um, if uh, you would, wouldn't mind giving your information out again so that if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, they can. That would be fabulous. Sure, sure. Phone number is 714-760-9918. Website is www.ageless-md as a medical doctor.com. And then on Instagram, we post a lot of funny stories and before and afters is uh, Instagram is ageless underscore MD. So if you go to those three platforms, you can definitely get a hold of us in numerous ways. Thank you so much. And if you're looking to get a hold of me, you can go to executive function coach, az.com. You can subscribe to our magazine there. You can look at our uh, website and see our podcast. You can also see our our first three editions of our magazine there. Um, if you're looking to be a guest on the show or if you'd like to write an article for the magazine, you can also uh, send me an email and I'd be happy to talk to you about that. I want to say thank you for listening. Without you, this would not be possible. So we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.